it's Lou Rosenfeld, and welcome to the newest edition of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I'm here with not one, but two people, and that's a, a rarity here. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked and amazed that we get Skype to actually technically accommodate this. I'm here with Laura Klein, who is a, a well-known author of uh UX for Lean Startups, one of the uh, Lean series that O'Reilly does that Eric Ries put together, and uh, a book that's going to be coming out later this year for Rosenfeld Media called Build Better Products, and uh, Steve Krug, who you might have heard of, he wrote uh, a book called Don't Make Me Think, which, God, if you haven't heard of it, I'm, I think you should stop now. Uh, actually, don't stop now, and I'll get to why that's the case in just a moment. But also, Steve has a second book that's uh, quite a great book, and uh, you may have seen it too, Rocket Surgery Made Easy, The Do-It-Yourself Guide to Finding and Fixing Usability Problems. So I have these two, um, partly, uh, look, I'll just be crass, um, we're putting on our next virtual conference on October 11th, it's called User Research for Everyone. Laura and I are actually curating it, we, we're doing user research, or have done a lot of user research to put together a speaker list in a program, and I can tell you that uh, Steve was uh, at the top of the people that um, uh, you all wanted to have in the program. The, the conference, again, it's a one-day virtual conference, is really geared toward not people who are of the tribe of user researchers who are experts, but more typically people who need to know something. Um, they may not be complete beginners, but they are um, needing to up their uh, level of expertise with user research, uh, they need to brush up, uh, and um, we've got a fantastic lineup of people, including uh, Steve and, and Laura, uh, and uh, that's again taking place October 11th, userresearchforeveryone.com. So we wanted to uh, have these two kind of go at it um, and talk a little bit about some critical issues that uh, those of you who are uh, again new or, or uh, getting up and running with user research or, or you know, need to brush up a bit, really are kind of um, struggling with some of the issues that they're going to talk about. Uh, they are actually going to be our lunchtime entertainment at the conference. Uh, Steve is going to take questions and have a discussion that Laura is going to, Laura is going to facilitate. So, uh, Laura, um, let's, let's uh, give people a taste of what you and Steve might be talking about on October 11th. Let's do that. Thanks, Lou. Um, hi, Steve. How are you? I, <laughs> <laughs> you you sound healthy. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I I, I did a, uh, two presentations in the last two days, and in both of them, I had a bullet item in the introduction that said there will be coughing. There will be coughing. Well, as long as there's as long as there's no blood, I think we're good. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if anybody got the reference, but I am past the, well past the tail end of a summer cold, um, but I have a lingering, as they call it, passive bronchitis. Oh. So I may be coughing from time to time, and I may sound like I'm sucking on it. Eucalyptus lozenge. I've taken in more eucalyptus in the last two days than the average koala. So, all right. Well, don't think that's going to make me go easy on you. If, you're, if this is a plea for sympathy, because I want I want to start out by starting a fight, as 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 I do. I know that you're a usability testing person, and you know that I'm a you know very much a user research person, and I want to talk a little bit about this because there's this big difference between the two that I think a lot of people don't make the, people don't really make the distinction. And um, I would like to hear your, your distinction between the two. And I also want you to, I want to do a little point counterpoint. I want to know which one you think is more important. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I, I would start off by saying that, that 
I feel like usability testing, uh, which is which is my my uh, favorite thing in the world, um, is a wholly owned subsidiary of um, user research. Uh, in the same way that user research is a wholly owned subsidiary of user experience design nowadays. Um, so, so to me, user research, there are a bunch of things that you can do for user research, and usability testing is one of the tools. It happens to be my favorite tool, and, and I happen to think it's the most valuable tool. Um, but I, 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 I know that I have a certain bias there. So. Well, talk to me about why it's because I, 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 I hate this because we're going to start off agreeing. Um, you, I think you're right. I think the usability testing, you know, absolutely is a part and a, and a really important part of user research. And I'll, I'll even I'll throw you that bone. But um, tell me why you think usability testing is is the most important thing. Uh, let's see if we if I can get to the origins of my bias. You know, we could list the other things that are that are elements of what we might think of as user research. And for me, the ones that I've that I've actually sort of done the most myself would be things like um, interviewing. Uh, you know, if you if you want to figure out figure out whether anybody's interested in the thing that you're thinking of building, and whether it would actually help them accomplish their goals, and and how they and most importantly, how do they accomplish those goals nowadays without without it? Um, then interviewing is you know sort of the ideal tool, and then there's uh, uh, you know what you might call it. Um, Contextual inquiry, or yeah, well, yeah contextual inquiry, mm -hmm. which actually most of the interviewing I've done has actually been contextual inquiry, which is yeah. a subset of interviewing where you actually go and sit with the person while they're leading their life. You get a much richer, uh, uh, you know, uh, sense uh, if you can keep your mouth shut. You actually get a much richer slice of of what their life is like and how they solve these problems currently, and, and it's you know, but obviously there's the overhead of you got to go there. Um, and I've actually done more of those than just than just flat interviews um, mm -hmm. in my career, and I, I found them enormously valuable and wonderful. In fact, I have a couple of quotes that are in the back of my head that I remember from the very first four contextual inquiries I did. I actually had a, a, one quote in particular: um, somebody who uh, the purpose of the contextual inquiry was to find out how people were using um, Macintosh utilities, and it was for somebody who was running the Semantic Mac Macintosh uh, utilities division. And this guy said. Um, I want I want my tools to do one thing. I want them to do it perfectly well. I want them to do it simply, and I want them never to break. And and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that's like, that's there's a lot of truth in that. That's a that's a great thing to have. I'd love my tools to all do that. Early on, early on, that was like one of my first user research experiences was having him say that. You know, it's like um, so uh, so so interviews, contextual inquiry, um, card sorting. Uh, you know, uh, I suppose I think of as, as a user research tool. And then, then there's all these other, um, you know, there's a whole host of, you know, like five second tests and all that stuff. But, but they, they, they don't strike me as that important. I mean, I think the cornerstones are, are to me, are interviewing and usability testing. Do you, do you have a, a third and fourth cornerstone that you would add? You know, I think that the, that's an excellent overview of the what you're trying to to learn from the, the two different things. I, I always think of it as the, when I, when I talk about user research, I'm talking about learning about the user. And when I talk about usability testing, I'm often talking about learning about the product. And um, I actually, I think, I think they're both incredibly important. I think that the, it's, it's critical to understand what we're building and for whom we're building it and why we're doing it so that we're making something that's useful. Right, and I, I think that, that's 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 I think been one of the best outcomes from my perspective um, mm -hmm. of of the whole lean lean movement is that oh, that's, yeah. that's been injected into the process 
Yeah, people are finally listening to us when we say, wouldn't it be great if we built something that people actually used? Because <laughs> you could, you, and you can make it as usable as you want, and believe me, I wish that people would make things a hell of a lot more usable. Um, you can make it as usable as you want, but if it's not useful, it doesn't matter. You've just made a wonderful thing. Nobody right, and usability testing, while it can give you very valuable insights into whether the thing is actually going to be um, useful and desirable, and you know, and and solve a real problem, um, is a pretty inefficient way of doing that because you want to broad, you want to catch a little brother swath. Talk about that. Talk about some of the ways that people. Because I, I think um, you know, I've heard you mention people misuse usability testing because they want the other stuff too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I spend a lot of time lately trying to trying to talk people down from talk cats down from trees. <laughs> you know, where they they've been cornered by people who are demanding that they. Uh, overload their usability test with with all these things that usability tests aren't good for. So, and they're all under the under the, the name of objectives, and they usually come from. <coughs> you know what? You want to add these objectives to your usability test. Whereas so the the objective there's one objective is usability test, which is to watch the person build the thing that you're working on that you've either started building or thinking of building, and see whether they can figure it out. <laughs> yes. What. What have I done to screw this up is the way I like to think about it. How have I gotten in the way of my user? Right, and, and, so, and so I agree with you that, 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 that the usability testing is, is, is uh, you know, it, it is the way we're doing it. Does the way we're doing it work? And the other, and the other part of it is, uh, it, are we building the right thing, you know, and is it really something that's going to that's gonna help? Um, so, so these objectives, you know, people try and squeeze in marketing objectives, mm-hmm. like, is this feature really desirable? Which is which is a horrible thing to try and elicit from a usability test, you know. I, I mean, it's 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 it should be it should be the subject of a small, well-formed survey with a carefully chosen audience, you know, is one would be one way to do it. Um, and also at, earlier on to dig in by doing some interviews and kind of learn from these interviews how these people do this thing, and so being able to draw your own conclusion as to whether or not this is something that they they would want to use. But but just showing somebody something. In a usability test and saying, "Well, would you would you use this?" It's like or, just it's like it's like a hideously inefficient way to try to figure out the answer. To that. Or the other, my other favorite terrible question, which is, "How much would you pay for something like this? <laughs> how much in imaginary dollars will you give me to be able to use this to- this thing that totally doesn't exist?" Exactly. I mean, people and people are not people are rarely ever to give you a decent answer to those kinds of questions in that context. I mean, it's the same as uh, I I kind of liken it to. You know, we we usability professionals always say you're not looking for design ideas in the course of doing usability testing. People will suggest your your participants will suggest design ideas, and I always say I always say at least act as though you're listening very carefully, Um, uh, and try to make sure when you're done with the session that the the people in the back room uh, don't get carried away by this and think that, that 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 because the user said this was a good idea that it's a good idea. Because I always say that if you if you follow up with the, the participant and describe the, their suggestion, but you know, ask them to talk more about their suggestion and to talk through it and how it would work and why using a map instead of a list would be a good idea and what it would be like to use it. But I I, I argue that like ninety five percent of the time they talk themselves to the point where the last thing they say is, "But I guess I wouldn't actually use that." <laughs> It's probably oh. the way I do it now. Yeah, that's <laughs> You know, and if, even if it is something that they might use, I think that it's a great jumping-off point for that conversation of. So, what are you? What are you trying to solve with that? With that solution, you know, what what are you trying to do 
because they might not use it, they, but they might be asking for something entirely different. Um, but it's not their job to design your product. That's your job. You have a that's that's why you're employed. So all this, all this, all this overloading, all this trying to heap things onto the poor usability test that it's not really that good at doing, um, has led me to um, actually believe even more firmly that something that I built into the rocket surgery book is true, which has actually been happening with a bunch of things. I, I will admit, against interest, that I made up a bunch of stuff in the rocket surgery book. Well, good to know. Good to know, Steve. You know, and I made it up based on a lot of experience, and I made it up because it seemed like, yeah, this is probably a pretty good idea. And in reality, the things that I made up, almost, uh, probably actually all of them, the things that I made up, people have come back, and a lot of people have come back to me and said, yeah, yeah, we tried it that way, and it worked really well. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm getting more enthusiastic about it as, as the years go by. But one of the things that's in that category that I spend a lot of time pounding on people when I teach a workshop on how to do usability testing is, is what I think of is uh, the, the separation between church and state or, or the separation between advertising and editorial in newspapers, where I try and get people to understand that during the half hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is, during the test, while a person is doing the tasks, you keep yourself out of it. Okay, you don't ask any open-ended questions. You don't probe about anything. Um, you don't try and force them to do something that will herd them into, you know, to one of your objectives. Uh, basically, you, you, you are, the only things you're doing are to make sure that they keep thinking out loud and to make sure that they stay on task um, and also make sure that they're not, not coming to any harm. Um, uh, so, so, but then at the end, after the tasks are done, I, I break up the test this way, that then you enter the probing, probing part of the program where during the probing part, you can ask anything you want. You can ask open-ended questions. You can ask whether they would buy this. You know, if you, if you need to do it to satisfy the people in marketing, you can ask them whether they think they would buy this thing, even though the answer isn't worth that much. You can ask them to do something over again and try doing it a different way. You can do basically any darn thing you want during the probing session, but during the, the, while they're doing the tasks, you have to explicitly just keep your mouth shut. I get more adamant about that as time goes, on, goes by. I think it's a really good, good method. So you mentioned something really interesting there um, about you know, that, that you teach these usability, set, or these usability testing sessions and, and how to do it. And I, I got to ask this question because I personally have run into this once or twice teaching user research. Uh, have you ever run into anybody that you just couldn't, you couldn't learn it? They just were incapable of doing it? I, I truly do believe that usability testing is it's, you know, sort of a gateway drug. Like, it's something that people can learn to do, and I think they can learn to do it well, and most people. But uh, ever run into anyone who just couldn't? I can't say that I've run into many of them because I don't spend, you know, I don't spend enough time watching them one-on-one -on -one try to do it. I'm usually teaching it in a mm -hmm. group setting, so I'm wandering around eavesdropping on, on, on portions of, of, of how they're doing it. Um, but, but on the other hand, you know, in my in 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 earlier times, I did spend a lot of time teaching at, at, you know clients um, uh, uh, to do it. And and I guess I, I was thinking about this the other day. That I think I'm like kind of optimistic about people. <laughs> I realized that I was much more optimistic than, than some of the people in this workshop were um, about people in general. And so I do kind of think that almost anybody can do it. That if you, if you, it can be harder for some people. Some people will find they have a really hard time 
keeping their mouth shut. You know, people in marketing might have a much more hard time, much harder time because they really want to ask this person questions because they don't get to sit with people who are actually, you know, users very often. And so it's so uh, enticing to them. Uh, I, I find that if you, if you formulate it, so uh, that's, what, again, why I like this formulation. If you formulate it as during this period, you've you, you got to resist all those temptations because in, in 20 minutes or half an hour, you're going to be able to do any damn fool thing you want. You know, um, I think there. I, I tend to think that the people more who, um, who I would think probably shouldn't be doing it are people. I characterize in the book, I think, as, as the people who everybody in your group thinks of as not a people person. <laughs> oh, tell me about that. Tell, ha, have you seen that happen? There are some people who. There are some people who just you know. I mean, you don't really want to sit next to them for an hour. You know, uh, they're either they're either too grumpy or, or or they have or they have no empathy or they're or you know or they're um, as we say nowadays narcissistic to an extent. Steve, I I feel like this is I feel like this is a direct attack on me, and we're just we're going to deal with it after the podcast. <laughs> no, Go I, on. I, I think your I think your self acclaimed reputation for grumpiness is is greatly exaggerated and and distorted. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you um, talk about that with with a few of my personal friends. But anyway, um. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I I tend to think that that almost anybody can do it, and that the people who aren't going to be any good at it are sort of are are sort of by natural selection. People aren't really going to be that enthusiastic about doing it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, know I find it, I find it, the opposite certainly is true. The people who most want to do this, okay, the people who are going to be people, people in their group who are really going to be gung ho about doing usability testing and, and getting getting people to spend time with with users are going to tend to be the people who are more people person who are more empathetic. Who I I, I my the experience I talk about was that I was at the. UXPA conference like three years ago, and, and I was at the, the evening when they have a dinner for everybody, and they have like a magician or a hypnotist or something silly. Um, and so everybody was there, and I was walking around, and I, and I suddenly thought, these are really nice people. Like, I'm, I'm really glad this is my professional organization, because these are really nice people. And then like this light bulb went off over my head with a big dough. It was like, oh, right, of course. If, you're gonna, if this is your job, like empathy is kind of kind of a job requirement, so that's why they're nice people because they're also naturally empathetic. And and they're all in a group together. These are the these are the people who have empathy as a job and come together in a group to talk to one another. So it's a little, it is a little self selecting, but uh, you know, with a, with a few obvious exceptions. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and and just say I I have like six or seven questions. I I really want to dig into Steve's deep psyche to to understand uh, whether or not he was bitten by a marketing person as a child. <laughs> but so uh, we all some of my best friends are marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I I have always been I I. Actually, many years ago, I started off wanting to do animation, and I did did some animation, and uh, and everybody who I was doing it with, they were like pure artists, you know, and and I always said, no, if I had the chance to sell out, I'd sell out in a minute. I think that'd be great. So I've never been anti-commerce, anti-marketing. Well, um, you know, we'll explore that a bit more on October 11th. And if uh, people listening in have questions uh, uh, for Steve and Laura, that's uh, going to be a great opportunity to ask them and hear what other people ha are wondering and, and have to ask as well. 
Uh, so Steve and Laura will be joining us, uh, as I said, the lunchtime uh, entertainment uh, on October 11th at a virtual I, I, conference. I would, I would hope we're at least infotainment, Lou. Ooh. <laughs> we can move you up in the world. I don't know. We, we, we have to pay a scale then. We have to um, wear little red rubber noses and things. Now we, well, okay. Now we're talking. We're, all right. I'm, we're getting a nice visual here for the conference. But uh, it is a virtual conference, so uh, you can look upon them or you can look at your lunch while they're chatting. Uh, we'll have some other really great speakers uh, Erica Hall. Leah Buley, uh, Nate Bolt, Julie Stanford, Abby Covert, and Cindy Alvarez. It's all happening October 11th. Use your research for everyone.com. And uh, Laura, Steve, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Thanks Lou. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Good night, John Boy.